The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to unity online radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Let's time travel back. Oh my gosh, how about to the 1980s? I'm a young mom, my daughter is three, and we go to visit the grandparents in Florida. I overhear my stepfather saying to my daughter, Rachel Adair, you and I should go out and get a great great big steak. And my little girl looked up at him with the biggest eyes and she said, but grandpa, I don't eat cow. Now, I wasn't surprised that she stood up for her vegan values. I had seen that from the time she could learn to speak. I was a little bit surprised that she knew that steak actually came from cow. And that experience, like so many before and after, has convinced me that there is nothing more exciting or more gratifying than bringing up a child in this compassionate way of life. And in this month of February, when we are focusing every week on loving something, today we're going to be looking at loving family and loving our children with the CEO and also the editor-in-chief, two women, from Ray's Vegan Magazine. Hi, I'm Victoria Moran. I'm your host for this program. If you'd like to know more of what happens on in the world of Main Street Vegan, just please take a look at our website, MainStreetVegan.net. And I would appreciate if right now in particular, you'd pay particular attention to the page on the site that deals with the brand new documentary from Main Street Vegan Productions, and that is A Prayer for Compassion. 
It just won the Humanitarian Award at the Terra Verde Film Festival in Gainesville, Florida this past weekend. We're so proud of the filmmaker Thomas Jackson and everybody who's been part of this film for that. And we are going to have our gala world premiere in New York City on March 5th. That date is chosen to coincide with our friends at Million Dollar Vegan and their request to Pope Francis to consider going vegan for Lent. So that's the night before Lent. We should know by then. So if you are in the New York City area, you can get your tickets at tinyurl.com slash compassion film. And we'll be sure to put that on the show notes for this program. We would love to see you there. And I love it that you're here because we're going to be talking about kids and parents with some people who know all about that kind of thing. They are Emily Wood and Claire Chartrand of Raise Vegan. Emily is the CEO, and she is a the head of a vegan woman-owned company based in New York. Their network is the largest community of vegan parents in the world, and the magazine Raise Vegan is on shelves across the United States, as well as printed in monthly editions and mailed to subscribers worldwide. Claire Chartrand is editor-in-chief. She has an academic background in journalism from UWM there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She is the mom of a vegan toddler named William. And Emily has a couple of little boys. Benjamin is three and a half and Theodore three months. Welcome, Emily and Claire. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited that we got to come on today. I've been looking forward to this for months. Well, it's a real pleasure. And your publication is just such a quality, quality piece of work issue after issue. So you have so much to to be proud of. So Emily, let's start with you. How did it all start? Why Raise Vegan? Sure. So I actually um, met my business partner, Janet Carney, um, back, oh my gosh, almost three years ago now. And she was running the Facebook group, which many of us vegan parents know and love, which is Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting. It has now over 50,000 vegan parents inside the group back when we met, you know, it was not even 10,000. So it's been amazing journey for me to be alongside her growing these groups, growing all of our, you know, our Instagram accounts. It was very exciting for me to come on with her. And we really didn't have a, you know, a real vision of what the future held, but in December of 2017, we launched Raise Vegan magazine digitally and it was featuring Ellen Fisher, who is now back on our covers, which is on newsstands at Barnes and Nobles and like you said, across the U.S. So together we forged Raise Vegan and our goal really is to help make veganism mainstream where we can show the world like you know, you could pick up a magazine at the store and show your in-laws and show your parents and say, look, my child is vegan, but it's normal. Like they're do- there's people out there doing the research and here it is published for you right at your local, you know, store. And we're able to accomplish so much just by having a publication for us and, you know, to celebrate what we're doing. Like you said, in your, you know, your background story, our children, there's nothing more natural than them growing up this way. They don't want to cause harm. I think any human, nobody wants to cause harm. And 
we're just here to make sure it's done safely and that we can provide as many resources as possible to parents for when they do embark on their journey. Well, you do a beautiful job. So let's get your vegan story and then we'll move over to Claire. So what caused you to take the vegan path and then become a vegan parent? So my son is actually what made me be vegan. So that's how I ended up linking up with Janet and really how everything began for me was that when he was born, he had a a dairy allergy. Like I'd always been um, one of those flexitarian types and like tried to limit my intake of meat, but I didn't really have any understanding of what I was doing it or why it was no, you know, I still very much had the walls up. I didn't make the connection to, you know, food. This is not food. This is like an animal's life. But once I was a breastfeeding mom, brand new mom, he was diagnosed with a dairy allergy at one month old. It was Christmas. I was cooking with dairy products. And I remember that night it was, he was having like, you know, intestinal bleeding. Like there was, it was very serious. So basically overnight I had to cut all dairy out of my diet and because that was what they recommended doing. And then I also had to cut out soy and nuts because I didn't know what exactly he would be allergic to if he was having such a severe reaction. And I guess you could say like, he's my inspiration for doing this because, because of him, I started doing research into, you know, dairy free diets, like why, and getting a lot of research of why dairy is very bad for you health wise. But then I also, because of the beautiful algorithm of social media, started to learn about the cruelty behind it. And as a breastfeeding mom, somebody who went through pregnancy, I really never understood. I always say that dairy is like the hidden cruelty because you don't really process that you're hurting someone by drinking milk. You're like, well, no animal died. Whereas everyone knows meat is the ultimate death of an animal. It's just dairy was what said to me, like I was doing something wrong. And then it made me cut out all meat, all fish and eggs, etc and became vegan. And then my husband became vegan too. Once I provided the research of the health benefits and he was like, Oh wow. Cause he's a fitness, you know, he's a bodybuilder. He was like, wow, I want to, you know, make sure I'm doing the best thing for my body. It's something he values. It's his temple. So our whole family ended up going vegan. And I say it's because of my son, Benjamin, who's, you know, going on for this year. And it's, it's been a journey for me that I've become empowered by because I wanted to share this with the world. I wanted to make sure that no other mom had to kind of go through the struggle that I went through convincing my family that veganism is perfectly healthy for my child. So that's been my motivation. And what pushes me every day is to make it easier for other parents out there. So they're able to just make the transition and have all of the information right there in front of them to share with themselves and their families and friends. Oh, that's so nice. So thanks to Benjamin. He started something big. <laughs> that's right. And how about you, Claire? What's your story? Uh, it's actually kind of similar to Emily's. Um, it was the ultimate push to being becoming vegan was for my son as well, right around one month old. Um, but I was actually raised vegetarian, so it wasn't a super far jump for me. Um, and I dabbled with veganism in high school and you know kind of knew it should be what I was doing but 
you know, like Emily was saying, like, I didn't really make that connection connection with eating dairy right away. Um, so when my son was about one month old, he was, he had like eczema all over and, um, you know, the, the doctors couldn't, they're just like, Oh, it's just something that happens to babies. Like, you know, he'll outgrow it. And, um, there's kind of a history of dairy intolerance in my family as well. So I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll try cutting this out and kind of see what happens. Like, you know, what's the worst that could happen. And like almost overnight it, the eczema went away. Like he was so much happier. He didn't seem to be having like gas issues. And, um, so I cut out dairy from then on. And then about a month later, I finally took out eggs. And after that, you know, it's just, you know, almost two years later and, <laughs> We're both as happy as can be. So, oh, <laughs> so how did Emily find you, Claire? Um, well, I actually so I joined the Facebook group Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting, um, just kind of looking for support. Like, you know, I have my immediate family. We range from vegan to vegetarian to omnivore, I guess, and with some in-laws. But um, so I don't really. I felt like I needed a little more support just with having a young child raising vegan making sure I was making the right dietary choices as a breastfeeding mom making sure I was getting the proper nutrients I needed and just having that amazing support of the the group to you know <laughs> know I was doing it doing what I needed to do for my son and um they just after raised vegan had been around for about a month Janet had put out like a hey we need editors and um, copywriters and all this stuff. And so I replied and it's a rest is kind of history. We, um, I started just doing a little bit of editing here and there. And then eventually like last, I, don't, I guess it was end of last summer, Janet asked me to step in as the editor in chief and, you know, we've kind of been taking it from there. Claire's been through the ringer. She, you know, this is very <laughs> much a, a passion project. And as vegan parents, me and Janet don't necessarily have a publishing background with uh, ever launching a magazine. I was in account management and Janet's in finance. So for us, we launched this kind of with the best intention. I went to art school. So I started, you know, up until I went on maternity leave once I was pregnant. I was designing each, you know, each page, doing it all myself. And then Janet was doing editing. And, you know, we come to this, you know, realization we're not editors. <laughs> there's spelling mistakes. There's grammar mistakes. And Janet put out that, you know, thing. And Claire has been there since really, like I say, the beginning. Like she started doing a little bit of editing and then really proved herself as an amazing editor and now she's putting together these magazines that really I enjoy looking at you know it's not just something like I have to think about but she has so many people contributing and makes each issue feel so special so I'm so like the day that she walked into our lives and raised vegan has been a blessing Oh, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Well, I was intrigued by both of your vegan stories because mine is actually similar. I had been working at being vegan for a long time, but could never really stay with it. And it was looking down at my daughter in her crib when she was still an infant that it was just like this wake up call of, oh, come on, you know, do you want to tell this child a bunch of half truths or do you just want to get this thing done, go vegan and, and raise your child vegan? So, um, Emily, so you've had one pregnancy that was vegan, one that was not. Yeah. And, you know, for Claire and I, the 
only ones, at least so far for Claire, <laughs> and for sure, never again for me, um, were, were not vegan. So let's start at the very beginning. Let's say sure. you just find out you're pregnant or you're looking to conceive. What should a mom do who is vegan or who wants to become vegan? I say this for any mom in general across the board. If you are looking to conceive is to begin taking a prenatal vitamin the second that you are trying. Uh, just having that extra supplement there will help your pregnancy from start to finish. And you'll feel confident that you've, you know, made like had that backup for the nutrients in general. And that's vegan or not always prenatal once you're trying to like once you're trying for conception um for myself I would say like the difference between my two pregnancies is extreme <laughs> my first pregnancy was very much uh medical you know like they say that especially in America they treat pregnancy like a medical condition it's not treated like you know this natural thing that should be happening so for with my first son like I was you know, starry eyed, didn't know what I was walking into. And I went through a typical American birth experience and it almost made it so that way my second pregnancy, I had kind of blocked out <laughs> what I had gone through the first time because it was not a very natural feeling and, you know, empowering birth versus my second one being vegan. I felt like my, you know, dietary choices, everything felt so right. Like, you know, I didn't have the extreme cravings I did when like with my first pregnancy, my first pregnancy, I ended up eating, I would say like really, you know, bad, like, you know, they, they call it like, you know, like a milkshake pregnancy where you're like, Oh, I'm craving ice cream. I'm craving cake, you know, like very much. So a lot of junk food cravings versus my vegan pregnancy experience. I like ate intuitively. So I was eating, you know, all summer long, a lot of fruit. I remember like me and my husband would eat like half a watermelon <laughs> to ourselves at lunchtime just because like you find like joy in natural foods being vegan and then being vegan and pregnant. I felt like it was like a whole new situation. Um, so just being intuitive about what you're eating, being mindful. That's what I always recommend to moms. Prenatal vitamin, mindfulness, and be intuitive with your body. Very nice. And do you have something to add to that, Claire? Um, I think she pretty much nailed it on the head. <laughs> I, um, you know, not having had a vegan pregnancy, I fall more into the, you know, had a lot of donuts during mine. And yeah, I, I wish if, you know, if I um, am lucky enough to have a second, that that would be my experience as well. But, or more like Emily's. Yeah. I also will say I'll debunk any myths about uh, vegans having, you know, smaller children, both my yeah. sons <laughs> over eight pounds and my vegan baby is much chubbier than my son ever was. Obviously having an allergy, it was harder for him to gain weight like after birth. And once I cut out the dairy, then he did gain weight normally and was always ahead of the curve, you know, especially going vegan in height. But my fully vegan since conception baby he's over here top of the charts height and weight very chunky <laughs> well you mentioned one of the myths and I think there are probably quite a few out there so let's just embark on a little bit of myth busting either yeah. one of you what's your favorite myth and let's get rid of it 
Um, I think the best myth, I mean, obviously debunking that you're going to have a, what's it called it? A preterm birth. So people seem to think that vegan diets cause preterm labor. This isn't true. Anybody is susceptible for, to preterm labor due to a variety of different, you know, reasons. But veganism is not a direct cause of preterm birth. I went over my due date, you know, by over a week. He would, did not want to move. It's just, it's, it is not a cause of preterm labor. Any other myths? It, not just pregnancy, but the whole sure. vegan kids myth. Let's just get rid of all of them. I think the probably biggest one we all hear is the protein. That, you know, where are they going no, to get their protein? No, you don't really hear that, do you? <laughs> all the time. All the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think people just are so brainwashed into, you know, you can only get protein from animals. And it's like, well, what about where animals get their protein? You know, like, it's obviously from plants. And, um, yeah, I've heard it more than <laughs> more than I'd care to. So do you uh, up there in Wisconsin, um, mm -hmm. Claire, find any pushback? I do recall when we were there and my daughter went to preschool for a short time. And I always just put soy milk in her lunch. And this was mm -hmm. when the soy milk looked a little bit brown. I don't know why nobody <laughs> noticed that, but they didn't. It was, you know, it was in the family of milk colored. But one day I decided that I was going to be super mom and I got up early and I made green juice and mm -hmm. put it in a smoothie and felt very proud of myself, put it in a, you know, thermos. And then that night I get this little note in the lunchbox and it was a form thing that said, we noticed that your child's lunch does not have one of the food groups. The missing group is, <laughs> and then they put a big X by dairy. And I was just, Livid. I don't know if that just was coincidental that it happened to be in the dairy state. I'm sure it could happen anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but have you run into anything like that? Um, well, my kid's not in um, school yet, and I don't have him in any, you know, preschool programs. But um, I have heard of that being an issue just through other mom local moms. But um, I think more and more they're being, you know, especially with growing allergies and everything they're becoming much more open to milk alternatives and you know really there's no I feel like you have to adapt to that right like they can't make well I hope they can't make you to bring dairy to a class but yeah um, no I haven't personally experienced that my son is in preschool and I know that myself I've had to I I, re, I actually before when my son was about one years old, I worked for a Montessori school and I actually had to explain to the teachers what dairy was. Like they would try to offer me, I told, I was vegan and I would, you know, try and make smoothies and stuff with the kids. I, lot of, I did a lot of programs where it'd be like learning how to grow your own food and things like that. And I remember we were making smoothies one time and the teacher was like, Oh, can you put in yogurt? And I had to be like, well, cause I, they wanted me to make a vegan thing for the kids. And I had to explain to them that yogurt was dairy and this is why I say it's like the hidden you know the the one that gets everybody is because people are so uh misinformed and they just don't have the understanding of what it is or you know where it's found and it's just in so many of our different foods I know that I always see like memes on Instagram where it's like why is there milk powder in this I think that like 
that's one of the myths as well is that children need milk to grow and you'll find I think that it's a actually I think there's been studies done but you'll find that vegan children are actually taller than their um and and obviously lower can can be lower in weight than their uh you know omnivorous friends because of I think it's the plants you know like we're our bodies are designed to process them better so you see that children really do well eating a vegan diet a well-planned vegan diet and that's something that we talk about all the time in our Facebook group, um, our dietitian support group, it makes sure that parents know all the nutrients they need, like they need to help their kids thrive. And having that alone, and like, I think you were the one that commented, Victoria, you said if this was a thing like 20 years ago when we did start the program with Facebook, it, it's one of those things that I never imagined would exist, but now here we are today and we've created a group specifically designed to help parents learn about nutrition so that way their family and their children can really just maximize their health and become the best they can be. That's so exciting. And then you mentioned the the growth and everything. There certainly is a myth about that, that vegan kids don't grow very well. There's also a myth that vegan kids just can't relate that they're too sensitive, that they've been brought up in this kind of bubble. Can you bust the bubble myth? My son is probably the best one. He's in preschool. His friends, you know, do eat animal products and he doesn't. And he just says, you know, I'm vegan. I don't eat animals. They're my friends. I feed my, I feed the chickens. Like we take him to, we have a local little, uh, somebody has rescue chickens and uh, two goats and he feeds them almost every weekend. We make sure that he understands what the animal is. And I think there's an understanding that other kids aren't vegan, but he takes pride in the sense that he's got his own thing going on. It makes him feel special and all his friends love him. So, I mean, it's not something that he like, you know, is too sensitive or he's like an outcast. I think his teachers call him like Mr. Personality. He's like Aww. a popular kid in class because he's just, he's so full of love. And I think, you know, not saying that anyone, children are all full of love. And I, I'm really glad this is like the topic of the podcast. But I think vegan kids just have that extra little oomph because they understand compassion and they are living it every day by the choices that we help them make, you know, while they're little. And then, all we can hope is that when they're older and they have the choice to make for themselves, that they would continue the values we instilled in them, you know, growing up. Oh, that's beautifully put. Absolutely beautiful. Because all children have this connection to animals. This is why we have this multi-billion dollar you know, animal mm -hmm. movie and stuffed animal industry. Absolutely. And so they, when they get that understanding, I so encourage parents to go to farm sanctuaries. Back in our day, we had to go to um, petting zoos, which I don't like the idea of supporting. But to give the child that connection to the actual animal goes really far toward making them be vegan because that's what was in their heart already. It's such a 
thrilling adventure. I hope we're talking to some young people who haven't had kids yet and who can just look forward to this wonderful, wonderful time ahead. So everybody stay with us through these breaks that are coming up and we will be back more with Emily Wood and Claire Chartrand of Raise Vegan. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with sound healer Terry Wilder and Mystical Gong Meditations. Take some time right now and give yourself this minute of meditation. Breathe in and breathe out. Meditation, because some questions can't be answered by Google. Stop for a minute and give yourself this gift of mindfulness. Breathe in and breathe out. Slow down. Calm down. Don't worry. Don't hurry. Trust the process. To hear more healing gong meditations, visit terrywilder.com. Are you a spiritual explorer? Enrich your journey by engaging in inspiring and uplifting online courses starting now. Powered by Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute's world-class online learning management system, you can join in live or study at your own pace in the comfort of your home. Check out courses and topics like mindfulness meditation, grief management, spiritual growth, and a lot more. Get help and support to achieve your dreams. Find out more by going to unity.org slash spiritual explorers today. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. 
Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being part of our program today. I know that I did mention a prayer for compassion. I'm so excited. Our new documentary just about to birth uh, March 5th in New York City. But I also want to let you know, if you happen to be in the Dallas area, our very final test screening or pre-screening is going to be happening this Friday evening, February 22nd, at Unity of Dallas. So you can just Google a prayer for compassion Dallas and get all the information about that. I will be there doing a Q&A. I'm also going to be doing the Sunday services at the Unity Church there in Dallas this coming Sunday, the 24th. Um, is that right? 22nd, 23rd, 24th. That's right. Uh, and also in the afternoon, I'm going to be doing a Go Vegan workshop. So please, if you are in that part of Texas, I would love to see you, love to meet you. Also, if you're in Denver, mark your calendars ahead on March the 10th. We're going to be doing the first post-premiere screening of A Prayer for Compassion. So you can get more information at MainStreetVegan.net on all of those good things. And now we're back to the very good thing of talking about raising children in this beautiful vegan lifestyle. My guests are Emily Wood, CEO of Raise Vegan Magazine, and Claire Chartrand, Editor-in-Chief at Raise Vegan. So, Moms, <laughs> vegan children know things that other kids don't know and that adults just don't want to know about how food gets to people's plates. So how can we tell them the truth in age-appropriate ways? So what I do with my son is that we do it in, we've been doing it in small steps. So when he couldn't really properly communicate we would do it by bringing him, like I said, he, we have some local rescue animals. We would bring him, before he could even talk about it, we'd bring him to go and help feed the animals. From being in a Montessori background, I knew that having him help, and there was actually two goats also at the Montessori school I worked at, which was great for him because at 10 months old, he would be there and he would get to like pet the goats and just to kind of get acclimated to understanding that animals are here co like co-living with us they're not here for us we're here to care for them and you know many people get this experience with having pets at home I do have two cats but I think there's something beautiful about sharing the animals that are you know directly hurt by you know people not being vegan the farmed animals so getting to see chickens getting to see goats getting to see you know, I mean, we have ponies and I haven't actually sadly had been to a rescue with pigs yet, but that's something that I can't wait. Pigs and cows are, you know, the next step for my son at three and a half, where we plan on going to an animal sanctuary a little bit far away and getting to see these larger animals and really understand that this is where animal product foods come from and that it's a living thing and it's also something that as humans they interact with us in a very trusting manner they're not you know scary they're not something that we in our hearts would try to attack you know they say 
you put a baby in a pen with a puppy, a piglet, and um, an apple, what are they going <laughs> to eat and what are they going to play with? It's very natural for us to try to care for animals, even at the youngest of ages. And, you know, like many of us pet owners do see, like, you know, I know dog owners have such a, you know, relationship with their babies and puppy, like, and their dogs, because those are their second children. And they see that their child is trying to interact with them, like, you know, almost not out of the womb, but like, even my son at three, three months old, almost four months old, will reach out to try and touch the cat. You know, they're not it's not in our nature to try and harm things. So the first step is making sure your child grows up understanding that animals are not a scary thing and it's not something to have a boundary up between. Because I think that's what ends up happening for people is they put a boundary up between them and farmed animals where, oh, I went to a, like, I can say this, they, like you were talking about, you know, over 20 years ago, we would go to petting zoos. You know, my parents took me to petting zoos all the time. And I think that's what started my relationship with animals and understanding it. But I remember being scared of the animals. And I felt like if my own parents had shown me that you don't need to be afraid that they're, you know, just a hungry piglet is coming for the bottle that you're holding. It's not chasing after you or the ducks, similar things like being able to explain it to your children in a, in a way that they can understand animals' actions, it helps later on for them to understand that we don't want to consume foods that were a living thing. You know, there's no fear involved. It's it's something that we care about, something, something to take care of. That's beautifully put. So at the stage in which you both find yourselves as parents, your children are young, but I know that you hear from parents of, of kids of all ages, and I feel like a week does not go by that I don't run into a parent, usually a mom, who has gone vegan recently, and her kids are 10 or 12 or 16, and that's really tough. And oftentimes, too, it's a divorce situation. So at one parent's house, meat and animal products are served. At another parent's house, is vegan. Wow, this stuff is tough. Can you help us ferret some of that out and some of the advice that you offer your readers? I think with um, older kids, of, I mean, of course, it's, we know having transitioned to veganism, you know, well, I'm not going to say late in life, but, you know, like after high school and college and um, having kids that, you know, we made the choice for ourselves when we're raising kids from a young age, it's easy to instill those values early. Um, I think it's important to let your kids kind of come to that, come to a conclusion by themselves. I mean, not like you can guide them, but you can't force your kid to just stop, you know, take everything out right away. Like, I think you need to help foster that compassion a little bit. Like, and it could even be with how Emily was talking about, like taking them to um, sanctuaries and just have, helping them make that connection and helping them make, yeah, understand it for themselves and want to be vegan. Another advice that I've noticed is making sure that you're not taking things away and being like, okay, well, in my house, we only eat salads. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're at mommy's house, you get to have pizza and nuggets and French fries. 
you really want to make sure that, especially when you're in that transition period, that you're offering foods that they would be eating in a, you know, animal product environment, but you're giving them the alternatives. Well, you may be like, oh, I really want this for their health. You have to think of it in the same way, like Claire said, when we went vegan, I know myself, I didn't go straight from consuming animal products to, you know, only drinking smoothies. I started with trying diet cheese or, you know, making little, like getting the Gardein burgers, finding those vegan alternative products. And especially in today's day and age where we have incredibly delicious vegan alternative products. Like it's not, you know, just tofu anymore. There is Beyond Burgers. There's, you know, Gardein Nuggets. There's so many options that we have as vegans today that can really help children, especially that are in that middle, like, you know, later elementary, middle school, high school age where they don't want to feel like they're missing out on the junk food, quote unquote. And just being able to show them that we can be compassionate, but we also get to eat awesome food. Going to a vegan festival, they might, especially teens, love that kind of stuff. Go together, you know, don't, you can like, you know, especially with older kids, you can have a cell phone. They don't have to like hang out with mom and dad, have them bring a friend, go around to these booths, get some really cool vegan stuff and make it exciting for them because this isn't a boring, you know, you have to do this and it's not a lifestyle that has to be so rigid. It's a very exciting world out there for vegans today. So let them experience it. And then you might find that they're actually more excited to eat the vegan alternative than they are to go to try and go to McDonald's with their friends. They'll realize the quality and the different tastes and you kind of get them because it's so delicious these days. (laughs) From your mouth to God's ears and having gone through not just raising a vegan child, but also getting into a blended family situation when I met my wonderful husband and um, his kid's mom was not vegetarian or vegan and so the kids were not expected to change and it was difficult then we would have to have two separate birthday cakes and and if we ordered pizza you know half of the pizzas were the ones with cheese and you know meat or whatever they wanted and then there was this pizza (laughs) that just had tomato sauce and one or two olives (laughs) And so now it's so different. And my stepson came to visit uh, earlier in um, this month and my husband said, okay, so we need to go get a whole lot of vegan junk food. And I could hear tell that he was excited about that too, because we really, the whole food plant-based thing around here. So I think my (laughs) husband was as excited as anybody about, we have to get, so they got, um, Amy's frozen pizzas and they got somebody's canned chili and they got Beyond Burgers. And, you know, they had their guy weekend with their food that wouldn't be my choice today, but it was a wonderful choice for them and they had the best time. So, so kudos to all the people who are making that possible. So what do we do for, for people who just don't have any support other than Facebook groups and your magazine. How hard is it in 2019 to be a vegan parent if you don't know others? I think that having the online support is definitely what is driving the vegan movement today. And I don't really know any parent in today, in, in the, you know, I'd say millennial age group of, the you know, parents coming, coming into parenting that 
isn't online. So I know that even non-vegans, they're in their mommy groups. I'm in about, you know, probably about seven or eight New York mom groups just to talk about parenting. I, you know, I'm in breastfeeding support groups. So finding online resources in today's day and age, especially everyone having a smartphone, is everything. Because you can... I, you know, I'm a part of a vegan play date group where, you know, we all are like, oh, who's going to this park today? We'll be there. And like everything is right there in our hands on our, you know, iPhones or Androids. It's pretty crazy. Um, But if you, I I remember myself before I was in the Facebook group and before I even met, you know, Janet or I did spend a lot of time looking at recipes. So that's really what made me excited when I didn't have the support of anyone around me was looking at people's online blogs and recipes and then getting recipe books because books still in today's day and age hold so much like having a few very, you know, good vegan recipe books, the author talks to you in a way and you're able to experiment in your food, especially exploring this new diet. So that's recipe books and recipes in general or I think food is like the language of the world <laughs> and it's a beautiful language too <laughs> and and I hope that we can all speak it to one another with kindness and acceptance and understanding you know even if somebody's having kale salad and somebody else is having a mega burger you know as long as it's vegan it's all good it's all good <laughs> So what do you find from your readers and from the other people that you know in your online support groups? What worries vegan parents these days? Uh, Yeah, I mean, mostly that they're not giving their children the, or they worry that they're not giving their children the adequate nutrition because it doesn't adhere to the standard American diet, which has, you know, been so instilled in us through our, you know, our doctors, our you know, parents, in-laws, whatever, the whoever, you know, came before us and think that that is the right way to <laughs> raise kids. So we do get a lot of questions about, like, how do I make sure they're getting, like, this vitamin and, um, or, you know, certain nutrients and, um, you know, that is where we can come in and help with research and our, you know, dietitian group that is there to help make sure um, they're making the right choices for their kids. Yes. And I love Dr. Colin Campbell's philosophy that we need to look more at the whole. Mm -hmm. And I think it's human nature that we want to zero in on some little thing, especially if we read something about a nutrient we've never heard of before. And so we start worrying about that one. Mm -hmm. But if we take care of the whole, chances are we're going to be taking care of those parts as well. So one of the things that you guys do just beautifully you pretty much do everything beautifully, but your <laughs> covers, I mean, your covers are art pieces. So what's been your favorite so far? Uh, Emily, do you want to tackle that one? Sure. So <laughs> I'm going to, I guess I'm going to go back. Cause like I had the opportunity to design every cover <laughs> up until December before I had my baby. Um, I think it's going to be one from when we were digital and it's one, it's the, um, she's a big YouTuber and her name is Jinty Fell. She is a mom that is actually pregnant now. Again, she has a toddler and they 
travel their life in Australia in a van. But I remember the cover just really inspiring me. It was them on the beach, you know, the parents, and then their little girl, Aya, smiling so big and reaching up at the sky. And I remember writing the like headline it was something like Jinty fell and it was like reaching for the stars and just seeing seeing these parents with such joyous children is what makes me smile every day because you see these kids you know a lot of them are not raised in like the standard American structure you know I I've never witnessed this before being on social media but you know they homeschool their their daughter and like I see a lot of people now unschooling and spending time exploring this beautiful planet we live on. And I'm very much a New York girl. Like I have never been off the East coast of North America. You know, my family went up to Canada on vacation growing up or down to Florida. So I've been on the coast, but I've never gotten to explore really. And I, and the kind of person that I work, I'm a New Yorker. I work myself to death. I don't take vacations and getting to see these families where they're bringing their children around with them. They're taking advantage of, you know, every, every, every beautiful thing on this planet, being vegan, eating, you know, whole food plant-based. Like I've seen these children like loving eating exotic fruits and vegetables. And it's just, it's phenomenal to get to see. So that was my favorite cover just because of, I'd say the expression on that child's face where it was pure joy to be outside enjoying that beach. Mm-hmm. Well, this is bringing back memories to me. Oh my goodness! And and I know you've kind of gone a little bit beyond vegan now into some of the alternative lifestyles. I mean, and many vegans are you know very, they're just doing everything the way people do it in in this yeah. culture. But some of us, and I do say us, did some of these other things. So I homeschooled. Uh, my daughter was in Montessori for two years of preschool and half of kindergarten. And then she came home and it was just like magic for her. You know, I think all kids need different things, but it was just like she awakened and and her creativity and her interest in life just was so amazing. And every year we would think about and talk about school, but it just never worked out. And so (laughs) she traveled with me. We went around the world actually twice. One of my great memories when when the Dalai Lama gave her a, a kata, the wonderful Tibetan oh scarf, yeah. uh, when you know she was eight years old, and these kinds of memories just just uh, stay for life. And I think sometimes you know being vegan, it kind of helps you think outside the box, and then you consciously decide: Do I want to raise my kids very much the way I was raised, or do I want to go out and do it differently? And either way is just great. And it's so wonderful to have the choice. That's what I say. I mean, with my son, I obviously am keeping within like an American structure. He goes to preschool. I, you know, did Montessori. And I, I mean, I do plan on having him go to public school here in New York. But for me, it's about what did I, what did I like about growing up? I personally was a kid that loved school. I loved reading, but it's also about being open to my child. Like, obviously, I would never be like, oh, he's five years old and he's telling me he wants a happy meal that I would be like, oh, yes, this is fine. But it's about listening to what they want. Do they want, like you said, you're, you talked with your daughter and school never kind of came in. If he was like, mommy, I want to homeschool. I want to be at home with you. I would sacrifice what I needed to to make sure that he could have what he 
needs at that time. You know, my own, my husband had, you know, a harder time in public school. And he said, like, he wished his parents, you know, homeschooled, like he was getting bullied. But I think it's about listening to our children and then also remembering what it was like to be in their shoes and finding a balance somewhere there. Like, I, do I think that I'm going to be, you know, traveling across the world with my kids? I don't think that's in, in my future, but I see so many of these amazing parents who are saying, this is what I want to do. And it's so empowering to watch them get to do it. And I think that's what's beautiful about the magazine and why I appreciate Claire so much because she's like finding these parents that I am so inspired by their stories. And it's about sharing their experiences with the world to maybe help somebody else. Wow. So Claire, what's one of your favorite stories of all of these fascinating parents? Oh man, there's so many. Um, uh, I really do like our, um, our quarterly just one and two stories and Barnes and Noble and Whole Foods and, um, a few select smaller stores. And, um, Ellen Fisher was on one of them and that was just amazing. She lives, she definitely does the alternative lifestyle homeschools her kids lives in Hawaii and, you know, like go and picks vegetables for dinner out of her backyard every day. And, um, that's really inspiring to hear, but, um, yeah, I, guess, I mean, I really also like our, um, we do a family feature every month. And so, and it's more, you know, people from the vegan pregnancy um, group and um, just like our everyday parents that are, you know, sharing their stories with us. And, you know, it, it's, I feel like that's such an inspiration to other readers to see like, you know, it's not just the people on our covers that are, you know, famous and make it okay. It's like everyday people that are going through the same thing you you are that you know face the same difficulties are can be there as kind of like a beacon of hope and inspiration mm. for other parents that's so sweet and I always think everybody is famous that we've heard of so mm. you know my next door neighbor is famous to me because I know who they are so <laughs> <laughs> so we're all celebs so what about going forward? What's up uh, coming up uh, for Raise Vegan? So Raise Vegan has a lot of fun things to come in the next year. We are having a app built, which is pretty great. So I'm not going to reveal too many details about each of these things, but we're going to be working on that. Um, we are also going to be feature, like focusing a little bit on children's content. So content for vegan kids so that way they feel like they have support the same way that we support parents every day. We're looking at ways to support children so that way they feel confident in their own, you know, way of growing up vegan. So that's a secondary piece to the puzzle. And I do believe we have a special children's book to come in the winter months. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But of course, we are looking at all the different ways we can support parents and we're always open to listening to our parents, which is the beauty of having the community around Raise Vegan. So anytime a parent comes to us with, you know, an issue, a situation, we're trying our best to make sure that every need that we hear from parents gets fulfilled one day. And that's what pushes me every day to get out of bed and to get working, even when I have a toddler throwing 
food on the floor and a baby crying. I'm sitting there at home and I'm telling myself, I'm going to make somebody's life so much better. So keep at it. If there is something somebody needs, put it in our Facebook group, send us an email, be like, this is something that's been missing from my life. And we're here being the crazy moms we are, and we want to make it happen for you. So definitely keep a, keep a line of communication open with us and we'll continue trying to fulfill. Oh, I love it. So in our last 90 seconds, everybody wants to know what other people eat. So let me ask you first, Emily, and then Claire, what do your kids just love when you say tonight we're having for dinner? Ta-da! Like I said, I've got classic New York kids, but it's either pizza or mac and cheese. I do phenomenal uh, cashew mac and cheese. It's actually one of my favorite things to make where... I boil together sweet potatoes, onions, and, uh, you know, garlic and seasoning, nutritional yeast, throw it like, and then blend it up, throw it over pasta, and it becomes this awesome cheesy sauce. That's like my favorite thing to make. And also we get so many recipes on raisevegan.com, which I recommend to any parent who wants some kid-friendly food. Wonderful. And how about you, Claire? Uh, well, my son is in that fun, uh, you know, changes what he likes every other day. So it, every day is new for him. But um, he, his favorite thing consistently has been uh, chickpea nuggets that I make. And it's, I've adapted it from um, a recipe from Vegan Amagon. It's from like, I think it was chickpea cutlets was the actual name of it. But so I just make them smaller and bake them and he We'll just sit down and eat like five of them. Oh, I love it. I love it. So vegan life is good and delicious at yeah. every age. Thanks so much, Emily and Claire from Raise Vegan. Check out the website, raisevegan.com. Check out the magazine when you're in Whole Foods or at your favorite newsstand. Next week, we're going to be talking love of animals. So please join us for that. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for hosting this program. And to all of you, God bless. Eat your veggies. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.